Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV. Captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design and Toolmart, the complete tool center serving wa for over 40 years this is sports day yes hello everyone welcome to sports day wa you're with peter vlahos and it's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool center and they've been serving WA for over 45 years. Great to have your company. Thanks to Hayes and Marto. The boys are back. The duet, uh, the dynamic duo between three and five tomorrow. And, of course, uh, the other leg to uh, the wheel is, of course, Jimmy Williams, who's my executive producer but also part of the run home. Coming up on the program between now and six, uh, later in the program, we're speaking to Neve O'Connor who in the last 24 hours has been appointed as the Western Force CEO on a permanent basis. Uh, I spoke to her earlier because currently she's at the Rugby Australia Awards in Sydney. Heck of a character, a very interesting choice by the Western Force. But Neve certainly has rugby in her blood because she was born and bred in Ireland and got involved with the sport at a very young age. So we'll uh, deep dive into Neve O'Connor's career and her acceleration to the position now as Chief Executive of the Western Force. And as we know, the Super Rugby competition gets underway on February the 23rd. The Force start their campaign on that date against the Hurricanes at HBF Stadium. So we'll speak to Neve a little bit later on. We'll also be speaking to the man who umpired 377 AFL games, Dean Margetz. He's currently the WAFL and WAFLW umpiring operations manager. We're going to talk to him about some of the changes uh, to umpiring as early as the last 24 hours. And more in particular, some of the changes to our great game of Australian rules football in recent times. It actually got me thinking about the history of rule changes in the VFL, AFL, and even the WAFL. Do you know that boundary umpires were used for the first time in all matches in 1904? And what they used to do is they used to punch the ball back into play. So they actually punched it like a handball back into play rather than throw it into play. So that was pretty interesting. Goal umpires were used for the first time and were given the power to report players back in 1910, which is uh, a fair time ago. 
1925, a free was awarded against a player who kicked or forced the ball out of bounds. That was introduced. So it was almost like what has been mooted in recent times regarding last touch. And rather than having the boundary umpire throw it in, a kick back in a play, as has been the case experimented in the South Australian National Football League in recent time. There was some also other interesting ones. In 1946, would you believe the MCG, they used to ring a bell. But then they replaced the bell with the siren back in 1946. Uh, and But I've noticed also coming to the more modern age, the two-umpire system was introduced in 1976. 50-metre arcs in the goal areas were introduced in 1986. And in 1997... Repeated abusive language to an umpire incurred a free plus 50-metre penalty, but the offence was no longer necessarily reportable. In 1998, we had the introduction of the fourth interchange player, but I've, as I said, noted in recent times, since about 2011, the game has undergone a huge transformation in relation to what it was like in the early days. And most of the transformation has been on the back end of the umpiring and the way that players can conduct themselves. Where before was all the major changes that came into Australian rules football, in recent times, as early as 2011, a player who elects to apply a bump in any situation would become liable if he makes forceful contact with the head unless the player was contesting the ball and did not have a realistic alternative way to contest the ball. So even in 2011, you could see the protection of the player coming into vogue. So we're going to talk to Dean Margetz. He's about to join us on the program in just a moment. You can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedgehead text machine. Come and join us. Love to have a chat to you. Or uh, you can, as I said, text 0487 736 736. The Scarborough Toyota open line is there for you. And uh, they buy and service all makes and models down there at Scarborough Toyota, 131255. Demar Getz, a man that umpired 377 AFL games. That's a heck of uh, a performance. Uh, joins us on the program now. Hello, Dean. G'day, Peter. How are you? Good. Yourself uh, back almost into the swing of things. I suppose you are in the swing of things with the season uh, fast approaching in your role at the WAFL and WAFLW umpiring operations manager. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not a winter sport anymore, is it, Pete? We've got um, the Waffle W pre-season competition starting this weekend and we've had plenty of um, club visits with scratch matches and intra-club things happening since probably late January. So um, it's a... Ten months of the year sport now, Pete. Yeah, interesting. I was going through the history of the rule changes in Australian rules football over time, dating back to when it all started back in 1858. And there were some major changes spasmodically during, you know, the 150 years and plus of the game. But I've never seen so many changes, like probably since around about, 2006, maybe 2011 to present day. And most of it has involved umpiring and, of course, the protection of the player. As you look back now and also assess where footy is at regarding the player protection and the protection and respect of the umpires, are you comfortable with the evolution of football? Yeah, I think so. I think the, the, the competition sort of heavyweights have certainly made the tweaks and interpretational changes to certainly protect the players and the welfare. And obviously... 
at the game's highest level of the AFL. That's where it starts. And obviously it trickles right through to community footy and, and all the grassroots footy. Look, I think the most significant changes, Pete, recently have been like the 6-6-6 and the stand rule. They've been certainly, you know, massive um, changes to the fabric of our game. The fullback running out of the goal square without kicking it to himself, all those sort of subtleties that have certainly changed. But now, when we look back on them, it's almost they've been forgotten and they're just part of the game. So I think the best part about our game is players and coaches and umpires and, and supporters just adapt to the changes very quickly and um, we get on with the game and here we are with a pretty good product, I reckon. Yeah, it is a good product and as we know, players will have now a greater duty of care to avoid high t- contact when attempting to smother opponents after, of course, the AFL rule change was confirmed yesterday and this is on the back end of the fallout to Collingwood defender Braided Maynard's controversial tribunal case uh, during the 2023 finals. Is it a fine line? It's funny, isn't it? We've made a, a rule change on an incident which I've, I reckon I've seen once in maybe 10 years. So uh, I guess we were talking about that in the office today at work and someone made the point was if that player um, was maybe a Christian Petraka or a Jack Viney and, uh, and and not sort of um, Brace who had the concussion issues, would the player maybe just bounce back up on mm. that incident? Possibly. So it is a significant change to the rule. But what I would say to people out there in, in footy land listening to your program, Pete, is I can't see it being a major issue because we just don't see it very often. And I umpire in the country footy quite a few games a weekend now, and I've never seen it. Um, so I don't think it's going to be something we'll see you know, weekly, that's for sure. But players need to stay grounded these days if they are going to institute a bump, correct? Shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as yeah, simple sure. as There's that. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes the ball may not be in a position where you need to keep your your feet grounded if you're contesting it in trying to take an opposition player away from the contest. As I said, uh, there's going to be a lot of judgment by everybody in the game to determine Mm. whether the player makes the right call or not. Mm. I agree. I mean, think with the Maynard one, it looked to me like he had every intention to sort of, you know, smother the ball. But then he realised, gee, I've, I've committed quite high here. I've got to sort of worry about my protection and my landing. And of course, he unfortunately landed on, on um, Brayshaw's head and then the concussion was the outcome. So as I say, I, I can't see that being a massive issue week in, week out because I just don't recall seeing it that often. Laura Kane at the AFL explained the rules. And one thing I found quite interesting in what she said regarding tackling and as we know the head is sacrosanct and we've seen some tackles whether it be the sling tackle or other tackles where players have uh, fallen to the turf and their head has made contact with the turf Mm. and hence may have been concussed or partly concussed Mm. her explanation was when you tackle somebody and you start bringing him to the ground You've got to do it almost, she said, slowly to make sure that the player doesn't get hurt. How are you going to control that in the fast and furious and hurly-burly of an Australian rules football game? Yeah, no, it's a tricky one. But I think what she's trying to articulate there is more just the momentum of the tackle. I think what we've seen in some tackles, Pete, is a larger player on a smaller player. They wrap them up and they know they've got them in a pretty vulnerable position. And there's that second action and that sort of driving force into the ground. I think the rule and the interpretation is aligned to des- uh, designed to certainly protect the head in that scenario. So I don't think a player who's got full momentum up in the one motion has got anything to worry about. It's just those secondary actions. Look, unfortunately, our game is 360 and very combative, and there's going to be sometimes injuries, and I guess tribunals will work through that. But uh, again, I don't see it being a major problem in our game because, again, we don't see it that often. Can you recall many during the season in 2023? I can't. No. 
No, fair call, fair call. Mm. But there's always the first one. As I said, uh, you made a very Sorry. interesting point in the first conversation or in the first answer that you've only experienced a rule change based on one incident or a player incurring uh, a penalty only once before mm. before Braden Maynard. That's not saying it could not happen again in the foreseeable future. 100%, but now they've put the rule in place, I think more pay, you know, more players will be sort of more cognizant of you know what the outcome could be. And like you said too, Pete, and, and rightly so, if you stay grounded, you've got less likely of having an issue with a, with a bump or a smother that could um, end not great for the um, for your opponent. What about the other one? Straight arm blocks will be permitted in a ruck contest provided the player contests the ball. Can you just elaborate a bit more on how that looks? Yeah, sure. So last season, any ruckman who would put a straight arm out into the chest or uh, into the body of an opponent would be a free kick as a block. Um, so I think what they've done now is that to keep consistency with the marking contest where if you and I are going up in a marking contest, but I could sort of hold my ground and keep you at bay so I could mark the ball. Um, so to make, I guess, it easy for the players and the umpires to take that ambiguity out of the game, um, they're going to just make it simple where if you've got your eye on the ball in the contest, you're in that ruck contest, and you do make that straight arm block, then it will be play on and a free kick won't be paid. Whereas last season, it would have been paid, you know, absolutely every time. And the other one that's bizarre for me, and you umpired 377 <laughs> AFL games, is whistling from the interchange bench is prohibited. What yeah. the hell does that mean? <laughs> That's a good question because I'm not sure myself. I haven't got the full explanation on that one, but I think what it is is um, interchange. Um, obviously, bench coaches are sometimes whispering for players to come off for their rotations, and I can only assume some feedback is players are thinking that it might be the umpire's whistle. Now, I've heard people whistle in the street, Pete, and I haven't heard any of them sound like an umpire's whistle, to be fair. So, um, and how do you manage it? How does someone then say, oh, it's the person in the front row whistling and not me? And who's policing it? Is it the umpire? Is there a whistle police there? I'm not exactly sure. So I, I'm going to Melbourne next weekend for a meeting um, on some stuff. So, Pete, I'll, I'll try and come back with an explanation on the whistling. I've never, and we have uh, effects microphones <laughs> in radio and TV, I don't think I've ever heard rampant yeah. whistling coming from the interchange bench. That was, that was quite bizarre oh. when it uh, was handed down yesterday. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And like I say, I, I've spent time along the boundary line and I can't recall ever hearing too much whistling. Um, I've certainly heard a bit of feedback from the fans, absolutely, but certainly not whistling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dean, uh, Darren has uh, texted us through on the temper at Bedshed text machine. Ask your guest uh, the advantages of the stand rule if you're playing with 16 or less players. Of course, there's some competitions where you play with reduced numbers of players. But your thoughts on the stand rule, you are saying it earlier, you feel that it's uh, worked okay and and the uh, the system has uh, basically incorporated yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's worked okay. I think what we just want to see in footy is consistent laws and interpretations across all um, levels of footy, but AFL, country, waffle, if that's the rule, we should all play it. Because most people watch AFL, and I know in, the, in some country leagues that I umpire in, some leagues have it and some don't, so it becomes quite confusing. But I just think what it does is it allows the... the the team with the ball, that free run, um, that free carry. And I guess um, um, Steve Hawking's rationale was that's just try and free the share. And so more open play, more scoring. I think if that's the advantage of the stand rule, then we should be encouraging it. And what about the microchip in the football on the back mm. end of the Adelaide Crows controversy? I know Laura Kane has spoken yeah. about that today. We'll feature the audio in just a moment. Uh, sure. Do you think that is going to be the next step? 
Yeah, possibly. Um, we had, obviously, Brett Roseby in town um, last week um, doing a fair bit of work over here um, on umpire information, and he sort of mentioned that um, you could actually sort of feel it in the ball. Like, when you bounced the ball, you knew something was in there, almost like a, a broken sort of valve off a pump. So I think there's a bit of uh, refinement maybe needed. But I'm of the view that, yes, we know there was a mistake made. We know um, it shouldn't have happened. But in the swings and roundabouts sort of a 24-round season, quarter by quarter, contest by contest, is that what we want in our game? Oh, I'm not so sure. Mm. I, I still think we've got that beautiful human element of the umpires, the players, the coaches. We're all going to make some blues. Players will, umpires will, coaches will pull bad decisions off in the coach's box. So um, I don't want to lose the human touch of our officiating. So I'm still not convinced on that one, Pete. So do you think the lawmakers of Australian rules football are a bit too reactive to criticism or individual situations? I think at times, yes, because like I say, when did we have only one of those incidents this year that was significant? I think we did. Now, unfortunately, yes, it cost Adelaide Crows a you know, position in the final eight. We get that. And it was the last game or the last quarter of the last season. So it's very front of mind. So when all your reviews and your conversations post-season, that's all you want to talk about. But the, the incident happened in round six in Tasmania. Are we talking about that? Probably not. So I think you've got to keep things in perspective and no, I mean, Jeff Geeshan once told us in a coaching session years ago that we make probably 3,000-odd transactions in a match, Pete. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of decisions. That's a lot of things to sort of compute and process and digest. So I don't think we need to necessarily make blanket rule changes on one incident. Let's just get some data. Let's build it up. And if there was a trend and we had 15 of them, absolutely. But for now, oh, I think we just let it sit where it sits. And finally, uh, Dean Margetz, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, we love talking to you here on uh, Sports Day WA. Now, Laura Kane also came out and was asked a question about the bounce. That is yep. uh, whether it will stay around Australian rules <laughs> football for years to come. And she basically came out categorically and said, it's staying for the time being. So what that time being will yeah. be, uh, it could maybe still stay when we thought maybe 12 months ago it was on its way out through the exit gate. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed to hear that because a, a couple of seasons ago... Because you were we saying were last getting, year, you were yeah. saying last year, you were okay with the bounce to go because it would have yep. put the umpire in a more comfortable scenario yep. uh, out That's on correct. the ground, particularly when you're trying to recruit new umpires that were yep. fearful if they didn't bounce it properly, then they, they yep. wouldn't take up the art. But she's saying today yep. that she believes that the bounce will stay. Yeah, I'm not so sure I agree with Laura on that one. I mean, two or three seasons ago, I'm sure the AFL were quite close to making a decision on removing it to the point where we got feedback that they probably would. So I made the decision with you know the support of our competition, the Waffles, that we would remove it. So the bounce is no longer the Waffle. And I haven't had one person come up to me in the street or at a game or around umpire say, we miss it. Um, so I think it's worked and it's lessened the barriers. It, any umpire who says bouncing makes them a better decision maker, I think would be kidding themselves. It has the, their heads up on a, on, a, on a right platform and pay decisions. And I don't want to see good decision makers um, stressed out or having anxious moments in games because of the bounce. Um, I, you know, Brett Rosby, again, was over here last week and he made the point that he feels like he's a better umpire when he doesn't need to bounce. And he's the best umpire in the, in the land. So mm. if we're taking feedback from the experts, then maybe the competition should maybe um, be a bit more open to those debates, I think, yeah. So, Dean, just to clarify, the bounce will not exist at the WAFL level, yet will exist at the AFL yep. level, which is the yep. elite level. Yep, so that, uh, that, and that makes a mockery correct. of the 
uh, the rules of the game in some ways, doesn't it? Where there's a section of the football community that outlaws the bounce, yeah. and yet there's the elite who say, no, it'll stay. Yeah, no, well, you're right. It, it, we'd love to have it all the same, and we're trying to line ourselves with the AFL as much as we can for that, that consistency for an umpire to go on national championships or, or get elbowed to the AFL. Um, but again, I'm, I'm responsible for the umpires in WA, and I'm obviously responsible for you know supporting the waffle competition. And we felt that it was the right time, um, and the feedback has been really positive. And I, I always use the view too, Pete. If it rained for 24 rounds in the season, we'd throw it up, and no one would say a word. We'd just get on with the game. Mm, so mm. Um, I, I hope in time the AFL might shift on that. Um, if that's what Laura's saying, then that's okay. Um, but we're comfortable where it sits with us, and um, our umpires um, are better for it, I think. And hopefully, um. Um, the game will just continue to evolve and um, we get on with it. And uh, finally, numbers good in the umpiring ranks heading into a brand new season at all levels? Yeah, really positive. Um, recruitment's been really strong. Um, I've got 186 umpires on the books at, at Waffle, so we've had all our development squad and talent academy umpires back at training the last two weeks and they're, they're burning the track up and like I say, the W pre-season starts this week, albeit in some warm conditions, Pete, but I've been really proud of our group, how they've applied themselves in their training and their pre-season and they're just looking forward to putting on the green shirt, blowing some whistles and more often than not, hopefully pulling the right run and getting those right decisions. Good on you, Dean. Doing a great job down there for football in this state and, of course, you're an outstanding umpire in your time as well. And thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks, Pete. Always appreciate your support of the umpires. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Uh, Dean Margett's joining us here. What do you think about some of the issues uh, that Dean had to say? Were you surprised that uh, Laura Kane came out today saying that the bounce will stay in the AFL. As I said, about this time last year, heading into a, uh, the 2023 season, and because uh, at times some of the umpires really struggled with the bounce, there was a call to get rid of it altogether. And I must admit, I was one that thought in 2024, when they were reviewing the rule changes of the last season, that uh, the bounce would have left uh, the game of football, even though it's been part and parcel of it over 100 years. I thought the bounce was gone. Dean thought the bounce was gone, but it will stay in the AFL. Yet, if you go to a waffle game, uh, the umpires will be throwing it up regardless of where they are on the field. Interesting. Give us your thoughts on the uh, temper text machine. 0487 736 736. Or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line. That's 13 12 55. You're with Peter Vlahos. This is Sports Day WA. For Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Serving WA for over 45 years. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV. Captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change the Don't change the yes, Al. Interview of the month is brought to you by Aussie. Look for the logo. Be sure it's Aussie. And there's nothing more Aussie than Australian rules football. And the man that heads up the umpiring here in Western Australia is Dean Margetts. So I hope you enjoyed the chat with Dean. And Brendan says, so Margetts wants umpires to still have influence of the game. Spare me, according to Brendan. Of course, they've got an influence. They are the lawmakers and they decide uh, the rules when it comes to a game of football, what's allowed to go on, what needs to be pulled up. Uh, they are the officials of uh, Australian rules football. Norman Cowell says, G'day, Pete. With the centre bounce of the ball, how about they move the spot to bounce the ball to the edge of the circle so the ball 
comes down towards the centre of the circle, allowing the umpire to be already out of the way and be able to watch the ruckman without having to run backwards. It should also make it easier to bounce the ball. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure that in my head, Norm. I'm trying to figure it in the head. Centre bounce of the ball. They move the spot to bounce the ball to the edge of the circle. Oh, I see. The small circle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason they do a bang in the middle, as Jimmy's sort of saying in my headphones, is to make sure they can uh, bounce it straight. Well, I think it works okay. I think that there's no harm in them saying that I'm going to be pushing back from this bounce to make sure that everything, including nominating the Ruckman, who's going to contest the ball, is not a bad thing. It just stops somebody else from taking maybe a player out uh, that he isn't expecting to maybe get into the contest. Again, it's all for the protection and the sanity of the players at the moment. Good on you, Norm. But again, you're a thinker. There's no problems about that. Uh, Darren says again, thanks for asking the question. In one mouthful, we have to have the stand rule as is an AFL rule and to have consistency. Then when it suits like the bounce that consistently across all levels goes out the window. All right, Darren, thanks for that. Yeah, you can continue giving us a text. That number is 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota, Osmond Park, open line, they buy and service all makes and models, 13, 12, 55. Now, in the One Day International, the second ODI at the North Sydney Oval between Australia and South Africa, this update for Tyre Power's big brands better Buy sale is now on. So that's a tyre powers, big brands, better. Buys sale is now on. A lot of bees in that. Uh, we have got Australia in a world of pain. In the 12th over, they are six for 63. Six for 63. South Africa made six for 229 in their 50 overs. Six for 229, South Africa. Australia. Looking down the barrel big way, they're six for 63. The bats uh, people to go, or the batters to go, Healy went for four, Litchfield 14, Beth Mooney, who's been in scintillating form this summer, only faced two balls, out for a duck, Perry out for two, Sutherland for one, and Wareham also out for a duck. So Talia McGrath is not out 22. She came in at uh, number four, and Ash Gardner is not out for the Belinda Clark medal winner from the other night. Six for 64, and South Africa in total control in that second ODI being played at North Sydney Oval. Just some other sport. Ian Botham had his say on Test cricket on the back end of what's happening in New Zealand with South Africa sending a second 11 in some ways. And the push at this stage to move test series to fit in with the shorter forms of the game. This is what Sir Ian Botham had to say. Look, at the end of the day, the people that are most successful cricketers have a test uh, base. So they've played plenty of test cricket. They've worked out their game. Uh, they know how to play and you can adjust. Uh, and those are the people, you know, people remember test cricketers. Yeah. Not too many people remember one-day cricketers and one-day competitions. They might go along with the odd thrill or have a, you know, an evening at a T20 game. Uh, but at the end of the day, the players that are remembered and will go down the history books are, are the test cricketers. 
So there you go. It's, uh, so Ian Botham, I think he makes uh, a valid point. And just in this update, uh, Aussie tennis star Isla Tomlanovic has been sidelined again, confirming she has non-cancerous tumours removed in another obstacle on her return from injury. As we know, she reached the quarterfinals of both Wimbledon and the US Open in 2022 before 2023 was a season that was totally destroyed by injury. Uh, she returned to action late last year, reached the second round of the Australian Open last month before being defeated by Yelena Ostapenko. Uh, the world number 221 now underwent a procedure to have uh, uterine fibroids uh, removed from her body. So we wish her the best of luck. That update, uh, thanks to Tyre Power. You can visit your local Tyre Power store today for a free tyre safety inspection. There are over 50 stores across WA. Don't go away. We're going to speak to the latest CEO in West Australian sport when it comes to our national teams. A real character, and she's just taken over the position as the CEO of the Western Force. Born and bred in Ireland, uh, she's had a very interesting professional path, and now she'll tell us she's picked up her dream job. I spoke to her a short time ago. She comes up after the break here on Sports Day WA. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company. And just beware, we've got some very hot days coming up in Perth and throughout Western Australia this week. And here's a quick community update thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. Visit dfes.wa.gov.au. And this community update is thanks to the new Firecoat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions. And it's available at Bunnings uh, right now. Well, let's hope it cools down a little bit before the super rugby season gets underway. After all, it's not far away. February 23rd it kicks off. And as we mentioned, the Western Force are at home against the Hurricanes. Looking forward to that. And of course, a big announcement today, the fact that Neve O'Connor has been appointed the Western Force CEO now on a permanent basis after being in an acting capacity for a few months. Neva's in Sydney. Uh, she's about to attend the Rugby Australia Awards Night and she's been kind enough to give us a few minutes of her time. Neve, thanks for your time. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. And uh, you're in Sydney. A big night for Rugby Australia tonight. It is indeed, yes. Um, we're over here to attend the Rugby Australia uh, Annual Awards Night. So uh, quite exciting. Let me ask you, uh, we cannot mistake the accent, a very proud Irish accent. Uh, we call you Neve, even though your Christian name is spelled N-I-A-M-H. What is it about the Irish in trying to confuse us non-Irish people? Oh, we like we like to create stories behind things. So, yeah, the harder it is, the better. So we can tell a good story. Well, tell us about your journey, uh, as we know, from Ireland. I believe that you were in some ways brought up on rugby. Take us back to when you were a little girl. I was, yeah. Um, I was very fortunate to grow up in a rugby mad household. Um, and we spent probably a lot of weekends by the rugby field. So it became where we grew up as kids. 
um, in rural Ireland. So, yeah, it's been in my veins then for, for quite some time. And when I moved to uh, university, I joined the rugby club. So it's always been part of how I settled in new places. And it was similar then in uh, when I moved to Perth in 2011. I sought out a local rugby club and rode in there with committee roles, manager roles, volunteers, whatever needed to be done. Yeah, so it's been quite a journey for me from you, the start to finish. You mentioned it's been in your family blood for many years, uh, starting there in your home country of Ireland. Is this now, in some ways, your ultimate job to be the CEO of the Western Force in uh, Australia and New Zealand Super Rugby competition. Yes, for me it's been quite well. For me, it's been quite exciting. I'm kind of here by accident rather than by, by design because I came from a construction background um, and I had done project director roles all over the world. And when I came to Perth, then um, I joined in 2021 the Rugby WA board to kind of reposition juniors and really look at pipelines and stuff. And then joined the fourth board in June 2023, so just recently. So I kind of can't believe my, that I get paid to do rugby now. Well, you were appointed to the Rugby WA Board of Directors in 2021. Uh, prior to that, were you a keen rugby supporter of the Western Force at HBF Stadium? Uh, yes, I, I was. I was one of the tragics that was there through thick and thin. So, yeah. Force has been a major part of um, my life in Perth, to be honest. Yeah, and it'd be it. fair to say also, Neve, that they have promised a lot, the Western Force, and probably just have failed to deliver what we've expected. We're talking about finals uh, football or finals rugby. Uh, what are your thoughts on where the Western Force sits in the super rugby landscape at the moment? Because it's been quite an interesting short history. Yes. Oh, look, I'm really, really excited about where the force are heading. Um, now, this year, we've got a really, really strong roster. We've got um, a coaching group that have been consistent for the last couple of years. So I'm really, really excited. We've got a really young team that are showing really, really good signs. And it, the cohesion has been awesome. So for, for me, it's heading in a really, really strong direction. Um, we want to be the leaders in, 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 and, and be the aspiring team that everyone wants to play for when we've been tasked with being the best team in the world. So, game on. Yeah, game on. Are you concerned in any way the perception of rugby in Australia at the moment after the failed attempt by the Wallabies at the recent World Cup? Oh, look, yeah, the sport is facing challenges um, after the World Cup, but that, for me, is the opportunity to really rethink um, how we're doing to make a whole ecosystem sustainable. Um, West Australia is a major, major cornerstone of the game in Australia, and um, we've been focused on making it the best um, program and place for for players to come um, to the men's and women's game. So we are looking forward, and a major part of being the leaders in um you know, and actually getting the golden decade coming through. We have an uh, outstanding opportunity for rugby in Australia, the British and Irish Lions, the Men's World Cup, the Women's World Cup, the Olympic Games. And you can tell from being at Sevens last weekend that there is an appetite and there is a love for rugby in WA. The place was buzzing last weekend at HBF Park, so it's been really, really good.
It certainly is. We've got the Australian people that follow it, the, the local tra tragics, and, of course, the South African migration where rugby is their number one sport. And as we know, the New Zealanders love the sport as well. It's their number one sport. So it's a great mix uh, and a potential growth for rugby. Now, you worked at grassroots level. Where does rugby sit uh, at grassroots? Um, look, rugby is uh, at a grassroots level in Perth. We have been very, very fortunate in that we're one of the few member unions that has seen growth in the last couple of years. Um, we've seen a, a significant growth in the women's game and participation where we're seeing you know, up to close to 20% growth year on year, which is very different to most other states. And we're financially very stable now. So that's been really, really good. So there's the opportunity to really rethink and, uh, and do things and put Perth on the map as a major rugby home because we've got the melting pot of cultures here to do it. We know Andrew Forrest has been so supportive of rugby in Western Australia and the Western Force. And when called upon, he's been all too happy to help out. Have you met with Andrew? And I gather he's pretty excited with the Western Force and where they're going. Yeah, Andrew and Nicola have been wonderful supporters of rugby in, in, in WA over the years and the Western Force. And I'm feeling very humbled of being um, having the focus now to lead our organisation to be the most successful on and off the field, which is the exciting part. So what is your priority now that you've taken over the role as CEO of the Western Force? Uh, no doubt you've got a shopping list, but what's front and centre that you need to tackle first up? Uh, for, for me, it's, um, I guess, was all West Australians like a winning team, right? So yeah. that's um, a major important step along the way. And I, I guess to, to position us as being the strong leaders and the solution for Australian rugby. So we've tried things a little bit differently this uh, in the last couple of years that are beginning to see show us that they're green shoots. We've um, targeted more state schools and seeing a huge growth in, in state school participation under the Western Force Cup. So that's been uh, really positive for me. So it's to grow the game in, in a different way and, and non-traditional ways. You've had the backing of Rugby Australia CEO Phil War. He's excited that uh, you've been appointed. And I know you're looking forward to working very closely with Phil, who in his own right was an outstanding wallaby in his time. Yes, yes. So Phil has been awesome. Um, we're, we and all the other member unions are working very closely with Rugby Australia at the moment um, to reposition us to being the best nation in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's, it's been very um, refreshing to see that and that support from Phil. Well, good luck, Neve. Uh, lovely to have a chat to you. We wish you the best of luck as the brand-new CEO of the Western Force. Uh, you've got rugby in your veins, but more importantly, you've got, uh, through your experience, I gather, uh, plenty of experience when it comes to business acumen that you bring uh, to the Western Force. Uh, enjoy tonight uh, there in Sydney, and we'll keep in touch here at SENWA. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, nice to have a chat to Neve O'Connor, the brand-new uh, Chief Executive Officer of the Western Force, and we wish them the best of luck with their new season. And there's a general feeling that they'll do OK. As I said, uh, finals have always been the target. A couple of seasons they've just missed out, and let's hope this year they break that mould and become a dominant force in Super Rugby. We wish them the best of luck. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, you've still got time to get on the... Uh, Text line 0487 736 736. Uh, the other thing, here's Laura Kane talking about on-ball chip technology. 
and uh, have a listen to this. We'll take a break and give us your thoughts on whether it's something that should be fast-tracked on the back end of what happened with that goal umpiring howler that cost the Adelaide Crows a final spot last year. Or again, is the AFL a bit too reactionary to try and bring that in? By the way, uh, the cricket, eight for 77. Uh, Australia, that is the Australian women's team, uh, in reply to South Africa, six for 229. South Africa will win that and win it very comfortably at the North Sydney Oval. Here's Laura Kane on ball chip technology. Yeah, so the, the ball has a chip in it that picks up a whole heap of different data points and different information. So uh, there's, there's a stream around the game itself. So it's tracking things like congestion and ball speed. So we don't have direct metrics for either of those two things. And how can we start to understand where the ball's going, how quickly it's going and where the players are relative to the footy. So there's a football performance game analysis stream to it. In terms of score review, most of it uh, centres around what it t- what the ball touches and also what lines it crosses. And so it's quite, um, it's quite good in terms of uh, tracking when the ball has crossed the line and if anything has happened to the ball when that ball has crossed the line, say a, um, a, a slight finger or a post brush, mm. uh, it can pick that up. So, yes, the idea is that the technology um, is instant, and I saw it in action the other day, uh, and tells our officials what has happened. So we just need to work out how much testing we need to do to make sure that we're confident to use that technology in officiating. But uh, we've already started using it in, term- in terms of uh, data collection from a game analysis perspective. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV. Captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, uh, great to have a chat there to Neve O'Connor and thanks for your interaction to the program here today. Tomorrow we might try and touch base with a member of our commentary team. Uh, the SEN commentary team are in place in Viva Las Vegas for the big Super Bowl 58. And interesting that Travis Kelsey actually mentioned, he was asked a question whether after the Super Bowl, he may head down with his partner in Taylor Swift to Melbourne. This is what he had to say when he was asked the question. Australia's coming up, isn't it? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Oh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. He'll be coming for sure. He'll be, I reckon he's one of those uh, partners that just wants to be with uh, his partner all the time. And to be fair, Taylor's gone out of a way to be at most of his recent matches in the NFL. She's flying back from Tokyo all the way back to Vegas to see the Super Bowl. And then she's flying out to go to Melbourne. Don't be surprised if they fly out together. But it all depends. If the Chiefs win it, there might be a few celebrations back in Kansas City. So that might curtail him from actually coming to Melbourne. If they lose and the 49ers get them, then he'll probably head down to Australia. So we'll wait and see what happens there. For Nutrient Ag Solutions, going further for Australian farmers, just recapping a couple of the other stories, uh, really surprising in the Asian Cup. Jordan has advanced to the Asian Cup final for the very first time. They stunned South Korea 2-0 in Qatar, 
which is a terrific effort. Uh, Yazan Al-Namat and Musa Tamari struck in the second half to knock out the pre-tournament favourites who defeated the Socceroos, as we know, in the quarterfinals by two goals to one. Now, Jordan will face Iran or defending champion Qatar in the final this weekend. And the second of those semifinals will be played tonight our time. So um, certainly well done to Jordan and uh, certainly going to be a different looking Asian Cup final. Many thought it might be South Korea or Australia in there but uh, neither of those two nations uh, will appear. Just before I go, updating the cricket, as I mentioned, South Africa made six for 229 and Australia currently are eight for 91. Eight for 91 in the 19th over. And that update for Nutrien Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll try to go to Viva Las Vegas uh, tomorrow. We'll see how we go and get a last-minute update on uh, what it's like in Sin City as they prepare for Super Bowl 58. Thanks, Connor, panel operator extraordinaire, and Jimmy, my executive producer. It's been fun. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll do it again for the final time this week from 5 o'clock tomorrow right here on SENWA, wherever you may be listening throughout this great state of ours. Have a great Wednesday night, everyone.